1: Unconfirmed, Mark Dykton, but I believe they registered an earthquake up in the Kokomo region yesterday. uh, Ironically enough, at the same time that Jeff Saturday banged the anvil. I mean, that checks out. He wailed on that thing. Incredible force. Lucas Oil Stadium was shaking right after that. And Jeff Saturday joins us now like he does every day after a Colts game. Jeff, that was some impressive brute strength by you on the anvil.
0: The old boy still got it, right? A little undersized <laughs> nowadays, but he still got that. You know what I mean? Felt, felt pretty good. It was a little heavier than I anticipated. I was a little nervous, but it turned out all right. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't know if it was the Tariq Glenn jersey that you were rocking that maybe gave you a little bit something extra there, but uh, that, was, that, that was quite the
0: scene. Oh, brother, I loved it. That, so when they asked me to do it, uh, I told them, I said, the only way I'm doing it, man, you give me a Glenn jersey, and, and, and I'm keeping it. It's going home. It's going to be put up in my office. Uh, for just an incredible memory, man, it was it was unbelievable, and to see uh, to see everybody, but to be up there wearing a '78, man, I couldn't have, couldn't have had more pride about that than I did. Well, also
2: if he if he didn't give it his all, you know, Peyton and the boys would never have let him live it down. Oh, of course not.
0: Oh, it does. This is no joke. I'm not even off the little stage that you're on. When Manning had already tweeted, I mean, already uh, uh, texted it to me, so I knew. I, told, I knew. I knew they were gonna have that thing. Any screw up by me, bro, would have never been lived down. So there was, there's a lot more pressure than people think. It wasn't just, it wasn't just for the fans. There were a lot of old heads there that would have given me all kinds of grief. That yeah, so the, so the, so the concern was real. You know, the nerves were real.
1: <laughs> you knew exactly who you were walking back to in that suite afterwards. Uh, want to talk more about a special weekend here in a bit, but let's start with the game. And I want to begin with Sam Ellinger, um, Jeff. Just your overall thoughts on his first start and how he performed.
0: Man, probably a, a, a little better than expected. To be frank with you, I mean, I, um, uh, you know, I, I thought he, he battled. It. it was, you know, when a guy's coming in, hadn't thrown, you know, hadn't thrown a pass, and he thought, you know, it's going to take some time. But I thought he found rhythm at the end of the game. You know, the the, the Pittman drop on the final drive, the ball can't be placed any better. Uh, and I'm not sure you're going to have a bigger moment in your first game as a quarterback. You know, with a chance to go go take it down, and unfortunately the play's not made. But from a quarterback position, um, you know, you leave the team with a lead, uh, and when you when you were trying to come back, you put the ball right in the spot that you, you, you're, you're trying to. Um, both of those kind of check the box, man, you know. And, and uh, I, I look forward to them involving him more in the run game, I would say, you know, getting more touches at um, kind of rounding out the offense that I think can be run with him. But but as far as, like, if I had to give him a grade, I would say better than expected, which has to give you a, uh, you know, ha- has to give you some confidence going into next week.
2: What did you think Sam Ellinger did best yesterday and where was an element he might need to improve on going forward?
0: Decision-making. You know, I, I think people under underestimate how how hard it is um, to know where to go with the ball in, in time. You know, like people, you know, especially media people, you'll hear people talk about it you know, the guy's throwing the ball on time. When the foot hits the ground, the ball's coming up. So that means that you not only have to read the the, the the coverages pre-snap, when the ball is snapped, they're going from a disguised look to whatever they're truly running. Being able to figure that out in real time, the game is much faster uh, than people give it credit for. And I think he did a good job of just making sure he didn't make the mistake um, that's going to ultimately cost you the game. You know what I mean? And then and, and really, that's, uh, that's half the battle coming in. is just making sure look you're you're gonna have those gunslinger opportunities where you can you know you can let the ball rip and hope somebody makes a play but uh yeah, that can't be a consistent uh staple of your diet and so i thought I thought he did a good job of of figuring that out and and again man this is you know i like I, 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 even talking to uh to, to Mr Ursay and everybody you know this is not a fast fix like this is hard work and and so I'm appreciative that, that uh, of, of what Sam's doing, and but I, I don't think people understand the undertaking. They think it's just like a plug and play. It is not. It, this is going to be – it's going to take some time, but that decision-making gives you a lot of hope as well.
1: Again, Jeff Saturday is with us, fresh off banging the anvil in town to see his boy Tart Glenn go up into the ring of honor. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jeff, I almost found it fitting, and unfortunately in a losing way, that the Colts have a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. I thought something that your era did so often was just found a way to finish. The key third down conversion to keep a drive alive, ice more clock, win the game. You know, 98 and 93 coming off the edge, making a big sack when you need it the most. And whether it was Taylor Heineke extending plays and keeping drives alive, the Colts' inability to sustain drives in the fourth quarter, it just seems like that to me kind of sums up if you're a good football team, if you're a quality football team, you find a way to finish that off yesterday.
0: Yeah, no, you're 100% right. you you, you got to find ways to win. Um, and when you have a lead, you have to find ways to protect the lead. And I think so much of that goes into situational football. Um, and, and it was what we were really excellent at. And I think good football teams are – I mean, you think about Buffalo last night, man. Buffalo, they don't play great in the second half, right? I mean, they start out hot as fire and they're they're doing everything right. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like they kind of stumble a little bit or lose focus, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, on a fourth and four, Von Miller and Johnson make a great play off the edge. It's it's those kinds of moments in games where situationally your players have to go execute and make the plays. And to your point, how teams stay in playoff contention, how they win divisions, is they find ways to, to break the will of the other team. And you saw, you saw it in Tennessee, or not in Tennessee, but against Houston yesterday, um, you know, riding what they do. And our problem is, and, and you know, we can we can point a number of different ways, but what's the identity when that moment happens? And so, what are we going to lean on? What are we going to do? Who's going to be our go-to? Um, and right now, they're just trying to find it. And, and it's it's unfortunate because to your point, when you have the lead, especially when you're three three and one, you got the lead against a, an opponent that you feel like you should win and let that one go. That's that's a brutal way to finish it out. He's banging anvils
2: and taking names. His name's Jeff Saturday. He's former Colts center and current ESPN analyst. He's joining Kevin and Query on the Pay Less Liquors hotline. Jeff, what are your thoughts on Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly this season? You, you've obviously been on the offensive line before. Are you seeing some issues that they both are having? What's going on with them? Because they both seem to be struggling this season.
0: Yeah, I don't think either of them have. I, mean, I, I think Kelly played well the first three games. Um, of, of the season, you know, I would agree him winning performances in those first three, he kind of stumbled uh, the last few weeks and, and you're, and you're looking at, um, I mean, even, even, uh, you know, at, at all three, I mean, if you go 72, 56, 78, like those are, those are our guys, right? Those are the guys that were, um, that we're leaning on. That's going to be the foundation of this offensive line. And um, yeah, they've all had issues. And, and unfortunately they're not like just schematic issues. They've had issues at times um you know one on ones and and you know key moments and all those kinds of things and uh it's it's a battle man i mean it it's a true battle in there and and um you know th- this is this is the part of the team that y- you know you were expecting to carry the team and with obviously with Jonathan Taylor, and that just has not uh, materialized yet, but not enough displacement i mean if I had to point it down to things that that I look at uh throughout the league. We we don't we don't displace enough guys, and that's that's uh, when you have a guy you have a runner as good as Jonathan Taylor, you got to displace people, you got to move hats, you got to push bodies around, um, and that physicality right now we just have not we have not done that on a consistent basis. And I mean, you think about yesterday, I think Taylor had uh, I think he averaged four a little over uh, four and a half yards a carry, but one carry was huge, and Hines the same way. I think he averaged. You know, right at four yards of carry, but over half his yardage was on one, you know, one, one carry. And, and so, um, you know, numbers don't always tell you everything, but those, those kinds of things tell you that we're not, we're not consistently pushing people around, right? We're not, we're not grounding up guys. We're not pushing bodies. It's explosive run here and there. And overall, the numbers will look fine, but that's not, that's not what this offense wants to be. This offense wants to be when we punch you in the face and continue punching you until, in the fourth quarter, we break big runs, and, and um, so just just haven't met that goal yet.
1: Jeff, I want to uh, talk a, probably a little bit more about happier thoughts about you guys getting together this weekend. Uh, obviously, a lot of offensive line flavor with Tart going into the Ring of Honor. When you guys do have these reunion-type weekends, uh, what's the story that gets brought up the most?
0: Oh, man, dude. First of all, all the stories are so much bigger and so much more grand (laughs) than in reality. But that makes it all the more fun, right? So uh, Saturday night we had a dinner, and, uh, man, I cannot tell you how much we laughed, Uh, stayed out way too late, just enjoyed the heck out of each other. But every story is told, you know, like when we first met guys, uh, what they were like, and then you know how guys changed and evolved. Uh, but Ryan Lilja was there. Dylan Gandy was there. Myself phone, Dallas Clark, Hunter Smith. Like we, we had uh, a number, uh, uh, Larry Moore, who, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys would remember Larry. He played a few years early on in my career. Uh, you know, he, he showed up for it. Um, and, and man, when you start talking O-line, like there's not a more endearing group, I would tell you, you know what I mean? And But, but when we're on you, when we're on somebody, it's like going to be for real on, you know what I mean? And I like, I'm sitting there with Ryan Deem, and we're talking about Ryan Lilja. And the first time he came in, he has his Chiefs bag tag on his bag. I think we met in New England because he had just been traded. And we're like, oh, my bad, dog. Are you in the wrong locker room. You know what I mean? Like, like those those kinds of things. So, Deemer and I, we played together forever. And uh, so, we're man, th- there's so many. We call them tabs. So many tabs were opened up on guys. Thank God we don't find each other anymore because we'd all be freaking broke, dude, for all the things that we did and said to each other, but, uh, such love in that room, man, so much fun and joy. And, uh, man, God, just, I'm, I'm so grateful. I was a part of that group.
1: Uh, I do want to get your thoughts. When Jim Mercer was up there, he called Tarek kind of one of the most beloved Colts. It seems like kind of yeah. universally liked. I assume you would, uh, nod your head at that.
0: Oh, brother. It's not, not there's no question. I, I mean, I, I, I told everybody, I mean, he was one of the, he, he is a magnet, you know, like, like his personality is, and he is a giant of a human. Being. I, I, I can remember us walking in stores and, you know, cause he and I, like we carpooled together every day and, you know, left, we live in the same neighborhood. Our families were super close. So we would drive in places, man, going, you know, going into some gas station, we walk in and like the whole world, Like stops to look at this huge guy who's like darkening the door. Right, he he has to duck his head to get in the door. You know what I mean? Heaven forbid if Dean's with us. And it's like it's like a circus is in town. You know what I mean? But he walks in. He's got this great big smile. um, Loves people, man. People love him. He he and his wife Maya. Man, they they love Indy and the community. Dream alive, like the the what they started. But. I'm telling you, man. I don't know that there's a more like individual in the world, and it's deservedly so, man. He is a kindest soul uh, that you've ever been around, and I'll share a quick story with you because this this was one that was brought up, but not one that talked about much. And Lil, Ryan Lilja talked about this with uh, with Deemer and I. And we're all sitting there, but we had an issue in Jacksonville, and this was when Stroud um, and and Big John Henderson were there too, kind of stalwarts there in the middle, right? And so we would go at it. And uh, Lil just said, he, you know, he's, he had just came to Indy, and one of them stirred something up with Tarek, and he said, I see Sat go at him like a freaking pit bull. I got fined for it, you know, the whole deal with the NFL. We're throwing hands and getting penalties and, do, and doing all of it. And I remember Lil at him and goes, that's when I knew this was freaking real. Like, the love is real. And I'm telling you, bro, I don't care where we were how we would do it. it, it I, I'm riding with my man Bone. That is, that is an incredible human being uh, that, that uh, is one of my close friends in, in, in the world, pre-football, I mean, post-football included. He is, uh, he is a great human being and one that everybody uh, would love to be around, man. I'm fortunate to have him and call him a friend.
2: He's Jeff Saturday joining us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Jeff, last one for me. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it's Halloween today. Uh, Do you get dressed up in a Halloween costume?
0: Uh, I do not. Not today. I used to. I used to quite a bit, but now I'm traveling. So I'm actually in Connecticut and New York today. So I will not be dressed up. I will be uh, in my ESPN attire uh, doing work. My wife will be dressed up. She's going to help her sister do some kind of – she's a teacher, and so she's going to do some kind of thing. So they're all dressed up and – uh, but I, dude, we used to do ha- Halloween parties at the house where we would give out trophies. And I cannot tell you the amount of fun and money spent on costumes <laughs> coming over to the Saturday household, bro. It was, uh, we, I mean, the Vinataries one time, I, I think they got there at like 11 because their makeup took so long. Uh, and they came in as, as, as uh, zombies. And it was like, ID, I mean, it, it could have been even, it, it was like movie set stuff, right? I mean, people came in as kissed. Uh, we had an absolute ball. So, uh, yeah, I, I love it. But today, unfortunately, I will be a boring uh, ESPN analyst, and, and that's unfortunate, but that's how it is.
2: <laughs> and what's your, what's your favorite Halloween candy?
0: Oh, that's a great – probably – I'm a Reese's Cups guy, and I'm a pieces guy. I'm a, what about you guys?
1: Oh, Reese's. I got Reese's and just uh, many little Hershey's uh, already in the yes. bucket ready to yeah. go. Reese gets oh, I it done.
0: I'd, I'd be
2: double dipping your house, I'd change <laughs> costumes, and come back. <laughs> where, where does Halloween rank on the power holiday power rankings for you?
0: Oh, I'd say it's three for me. I'm a big Thanksgiving guy. I mean, obviously, I love to eat. So eating and being around everybody, and then not having to worry about like gifts. I'm a huge fan of. Then I would say, then I would say Christmas, and then it be, then it would be, uh, then it would be Halloween for me. So that's my, that's my order of uh, of fun for holiday.
1: Well, on the Jeff Saturday agenda today, along with, obviously, his ESPN uh, obligations, probably the ice bath after the anvil yesterday for Jeff <laughs> for Saturday. Sure. Jeff- with the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup on the side. Right. Obviously.
0: Obviously. There you go. No doubt. No doubt.
1: Jeff, glad you had such a blast in Indy this weekend. And uh, as always, thank you, man.
0: I uh, love you, fellas. Y'all be good. Have a great one.
1: That's a great Jeff Saturday right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll do it one final time here. Kevin and Quarry on a Halloween morning.